Okay, everybody, welcome back. We're back. Another edition of Kente Corner, Casual Hoya Podcast. As always, I'm Bobby Bancroft, and I'm here with Andrew Geiger, Mr. Casual Hoya himself. And what's up, man? And believe it or not, season is literally right around the corner. The reason I know that is we just had Hoya Madness. We had Meet the Team Day. There was everything's going on. Um, Did we actually have Hoya Madness? I mean, you know, it's the old, if the tree falls in the forest, it really happened thing. I mean, did it, I, I guess it happened. Yeah. So I wasn't really paying attention as much as maybe I should be just because it's kind of been an event. That's not, not that really, it's not really that big of a deal anymore. I don't think in general, everybody has them and you know, this or that, but in the middle of last week, I was doing something and I got a text message from a buddy saying, did you see what Lee Reed just put out? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, like, what happened? Like, something, I, I thought maybe something, like, crazy happened with a player. And then I saw that, you know, the guests they had booked, I'm sort of familiar with the name. I don't know how you say it. I'm going to sound really nerdy. I think it's, like, fabulous. I, I, I don't know. I, mean, showing... I, think that, I, think, I think that works. Yeah. Okay. And apparently, I did see some chatter early in the week um, on my tweet deck that, you know, there were some students that were angry because I think he's gotten in some trouble. I'm going to be honest. I really don't even know what. But I guess there was a big enough flash that they decided to cancel him. And in doing that, they moved the event from like nine or 10 to like six, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess they had to do that because I'm assuming that his performance window was probably later. So. Yeah. Um, and they couldn't line up a replacement. So they just moved the event earlier. Whatever it is, it is. Apparently, there's something going on on campus called Mr. Georgetown, which is a big deal, and that directly conflicted with the Mr. Georgetown show now too. So it doesn't <laughs> seem like this thing was very, was very very well planned out. Um, but big picture, I agree with kind of your your opening statements there. I just don't think it really matters all that much. Yeah, I feel like there was a time maybe like ten years ago or so. It sort of seemed like Wall A made it kind of cool, you know. Yeah. And I feel like this is going back to like maybe the beginning of the Austin Freeman time. On I'm just kind of trying to remember. Like Chris Wright, Austin Freeman. They had like a they had like a saying. I think like DC is my playground, and I thought they had some pretty cool stuff with that. And honestly, well, when I, was, I mean, when I was a freshman there, that was Iverson sophomore year. That might have been the first Midnight Madness. Maybe maybe it went back before then, but it was actually like legit. I think it was like midnight. It was like a late night deal. Um, and it was kind of important. I mean, that was that the maybe it was because the basketball team was, you know, they were campus superstars. Um, but yeah. it was a really fun event for all the students. Uh, it got everyone revved up for sure for the upcoming season. I think that has just changed a little bit over time. Um, I still think it's a great event for the students. Obviously, it's a good event for the players. I'm glad they didn't take away the event completely because that would have been silly. Um, but as far as recruiting goes and the impact it has on recruits, I mean, knowing what we know now about what actually goes on with recruiting, I think it would be naive to think that someone coming to perform at a midnight madness would have any influence as to a recruit's decision as to what school he was going to go to. Um, you know, does this having someone like fabulous perform, make it a better event? I don't know that, but again, does it ultimately make a difference? I think the answer is no. I think just getting a kid to campus, seeing the Thompson Center, meeting with Ewing, pouring the campus itself, that's really what matters. Um, I think what people are ultimately probably frustrated with is that 
unlike in years past, you know, we don't have the list of any really top level recruits that were coming uh, to the event to begin with, whether or not that's an issue, big picture, who knows, but I don't know. I, I, I think Ewing and the staff have done a really good job recruiting. I don't think not having a kid come to campus for this event really makes a big deal. Yeah. And I'm definitely not, I'm, I'm definitely one to complain. I think I did it for five years about the schedule. So I'm, I'm definitely willing to complain about things. I'm not really willing to die on the Georgetown didn't do midnight mat or Hoya madness correctly. Hill. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I do understand the idea of, you know, I, people brought, people said to me, you know, couldn't they have just Googled him? Like, you know, and I guess I think the, the, the Lee Reed statement said something like they had a third, a third party book, their entertainment and all that kind of stuff. So it's hard to know what really happened. Um, but I think that if you're complaining about Oya Madness, I think you should probably focus on something else. That's sort of well, my... I, I, and I totally agree. And from what it looks like, though, it does look like it was a fun event. I mean, I, it, it wasn't streamed, which is annoying. Um, but I did see, like, on Instagram from, like, the GU Pep Band or what have you, they, they had some video up. And it looked fun. It looked just like in years past. You know, the, the player intros, Ewing comes, Ewing did a little dance. Just like every other year it just we didn't get to see it um it was earlier than usual and we didn't have a performer big deal right and like you said i i saw one video from last night which is a big deal james akinjo made a half court shot and you might say who cares well last <laughs> week at the meet the team day when my son was walking around getting autographs from all of his heroes James Akinjo had some, like I don't know if it was tape or it was a wrap on his right um, thumb. And then when they went to their open practice portion of the program, he didn't participate. So if anybody walked away from the open practice last week worried about James Akinjo, seems like he's just fine. And thank you for putting that out there because I'm sure there were people that uh, were ready running for the hills, you know, claiming the season's on the brink after the, uh, the open practice. Uh, speaking of which, you attended the open practice. I did, and I thought it was a really well-run event. You could sign up ahead of time. So, full disclosure, I used to be a member of the Hoya Hoop Club many, many years ago. I haven't been in a long time. I think probably a decade. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> but my son is—he's—he'll be—he'll—he'll turn three during this season. Last year, he was turning two was his first year as a kids club member, which he enjoyed. And so oh. we're back, we're back for more. And I was sort of hesitant, like, you know, is he really, you know, is is he just going to like, you know, clam up and be shy guy or whatever. But Georgia had it set up pretty well. There was a line through the Thompson center, which was pretty well attended. And they had all, they had all the players just seated at a table in the main room where we usually, uh, where the media usually interviews everybody. So you kind of go around, you get them to sign something. And then at the end, sort of positioned like Santa Claus was Patrick Ewing, <laughs> who I've got a couple really good pictures. My son was a little bit shy. He, I trained him to give, or, you know, I, I was training him to give fist bumps to everybody. And he, he did that to all the players. Yeah. Players were super nice to him. Patrick Ewing was a little bit intimidating, even though he couldn't have been nicer. I have a bunch of pictures. Ewing is smiling. My son is not. Um, but it was a really cool experience. Isn't your son like two years old? Yes. Well, he's going to be three yeah. in January. Okay. Well, 
I like that you're training him for the fist pumps already. That's impressive. He gave a fist pump to everybody. It started with Javon Blair, and I believe the last fist bump was Mirasan. And then he went through and he, you know, gave a high five to Ewing, but he was a little shy. We couldn't get the, we couldn't get the uh, uh, wall portrait that we were looking for. But Ewing was really, was a really nice guy for, to nice. two year old. I mean, which you would expect, I suppose. But you know, just to, I'm, you know, I'm used to interacting with him in a different way. And he was, he was, and it wasn't just my kid; it was everybody. I thought it was a really good event, and. Um, I, I I recommend doing it for the younger kids and the older kids as well. <laughs> what, what sort of uh, what sort of gear do you get as part of the kids club? So last year they were still giving away like a squeeze the orange T-shirt for the kids, which was pretty cool. This year mm-hmm. I believe is a replica Ewing jersey. I'm not. I I think it's Ewing because there's no Kente on it. Huh. Okay. Any and sort of they uh... get, they get um. They get four tickets to a game. There's like, or I'm sorry, there's there's four games. They get four tickets to each. Now it's not, you know, the Syracuse game, but you know, whatever. They're kids. They, you know, they'll watch anything. It's great. So I think it's like, you know, some of like the lesser games, but the kids enjoy it. They get, you know, take a picture of Jack the Bulldog, all that stuff. You know, it seems cool. And then when we transitioned over to McDonough for the practice part, I linked up with Rich Fotkin and we kind of sat there and it was kind of like you know kenner league just sitting there w- watching the guys um basically just glorified warm-ups but for most people that's a pretty cool thing to see so you know definitely a good event and i think i hadn't been in a couple years because i haven't had a reason to go um i think that georgetown does a pretty good job so that's that that's me not complaining any uh refreshments or snacks yes so in the lobby so i don't, I don't know if you've been through the thompson center so you kind of you kind of go to Thompson yeah. Center and then mm-hmm. it connects to McDonough. Mm-hmm. And then so like in that in that lobby, which is where we actually used to we used to that's where all the old media stuff used to be held. Um, they had um, basically like what you might consider a, co- a continental breakfast. They just, you know, all kind of pastries and fruit and drinks and stuff. So it was, it was definitely, you know, a good deal. I actually hadn't even thought of that. And then I got there. I'm like, oh, this is you know, this is perfect. I'm actually kind of hungry. Thank you. Thank you, George. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm glad you're using your kid for the tickets and the, and the free snacks. It's wonderful. Perfect. But, and then, so then when you go to practice, that's when all of a sudden you're like, oh, great. Akinjo is not playing. Uh, Alexander wasn't playing. Gardner wasn't playing. LeBlanc wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. So, which I actually was pretty busy that weekend. I didn't, I didn't bother, you know, scouring Twitter to see, I'm sure there was people out there that were talking about all that kind of stuff. I'm sure that's completely precautionary. I don't think it's a reason. I'm I'm not sure it's the reason that they got voted sixth in the Big East coaches poll. Yeah. So listen, I, people were talking about that too from Big East Media Day. The coaches poll came out. Um, it was kind of interesting how they released all those polls like right at the beginning of the day. Usually, I thought they say that for later to bring it drum up some sort of suspense as the event goes on. Yeah. But regardless, um, people are kind of getting all bent out of shape about a preseason poll of coaches putting Georgetown sixth in the conference. When you look at the, the votes, like I think Georgetown had something like 49 votes, which was sixth, but like 50 votes would have been tied for fourth or something. So like, I just don't see if, if they would have been fourth, no one complains, right? That's, that's fine. Um, 
to me, it's really where you finish that matters. I don't think this is kind of bulletin board material for Georgetown, like, ooh, they picked us to finish sixth, because it's really the same as them picking us, picking us to finish fourth. I think it just speaks to the amount of parity in the league. Um, and let's just go win the games. Yeah, I think I think if you look at the if you look at the uh, the poll real quick, there's a clear bottom: St. John's, DePaul, and Butler. Not in that order, but there's a there's there's a clear bottom three, and then most people outside of the Big East and the other. If you look at like CBS or ESPN, or whatever, there's kind of like a top three: Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier. Although in the in the coaches' poll, Xavier was sort of was sort of um, in the middle. So there's kind of like a top three, a bottom three, and then there's this middle, which if you look at what the new Big East has done now in, I think, I guess it's six years, they're getting about five teams in the NCAA tournament, and the most they got one year was seven. So if you're sitting there at six, that's basically, I think, where Georgetown figured they'd be is a team before the season that is probably going to be in the NCAA tournament or if they don't make it right there on the bubble. And I think the difference this year is that they've scheduled themselves to where if they're, you know, last year they were nine and nine, if they go 10 and eight with their schedule this year, with a couple of those wins, I think that they will be comfortably in the NCAA tournament. So I don't really think sixth is cause for alarm. It, it certainly isn't because it's completely and totally meaningless. <laughs> I mean, it, it, them, them picking us to finish six in a preseason poll means absolutely nothing. I also think, means that what what means what also means absolutely nothing is your seven getting like a biggie's honorable mention nod as opposed to like some sort of first second or third team nod people are kind of bent out of shape about that I, again the guy hasn't played a single minute of biggie's basketball like i get it he's coming into the season with a lot of expectations for us but let's see what he does in the court before we start anointing him to all biggie's teams um if he wants to use that as some sort of personal um, ammunition moving forward, that's great. But as a fan, I don't care where he is on a preseason team. Do you? No, I don't. And I think I, I, I wasn't sure where you're going with that at first, because I think that there's another way to look at it is, you know, even though it seemed like at the end of his career, Jesse Govan was kind of, you know, fans have sort of gotten, I, you know, even though he's a great statistical offensive leader, I think fans had really soured on, what they thought were the defensive weaknesses of the team all being, you know, attributed to him. But at the same time, you know, some of these coaches are looking at, you know, Jesse Govan was a really good player that I feel like mm-hmm. going to realize that he was. So you take away a first team, all big East big man from Georgetown. And that's a little bit of a step back. And like you said, you, you need your seven to show what he can do in this league before, before, you know, you're, he's going to get those kind of accolades. So I think some of that too is, you know, like I said, I feel like Georgetown, from the people I speak with, fans, Twitter followers, whatever, were sort of down on Jesse. Where I feel like the coaches probably realized how hard it was to game plan offense, your to game plan their defense against a guy that skilled offensively. So I think some of it is well, let's see how they are without without Jesse. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I also think your seven has a chance to finish, you know, all Big East first team. Um, you know, of course. It, 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 so. Well, we'll see what happens there. Who else? Uh, did they announce two teams or was it three teams? I know Akinjo made a second team. I think that was it, right? No LeBlanc, no no one else appeared in any of those squads. Right. Yeah. It was just it was just a uh, Akinjo making the second team, and 
you know, I think if you, I wasn't paying a lot of attention because I wasn't able to go to Big East Media Day, but the league sort of is so focused on Miles Powell and Marcus Howard that, right. you know, it's like, it's like those two guys <laughs> and sort of everyone else. So I think, I think it would, it would have been pretty rough for Georgetown not to get anyone on the first or second team. And I think Akinjo being obviously freshman of the year, you know, it's pretty hard to ignore the impact he had in the league and for Georgetown. But that's kind of all I expected was was that. Even though, like like you said, I think your seven could end up on the first team. You know, we'll see. Yeah, and and so could Akinjo, really. I mean, it, it, we'll we'll have to see what happens. Incidentally, I went to the Pelicans Jazz preseason game last night here in New Orleans, and okay. uh, Jeff Green uh, came off the bench for Utah. He's like their sixth man. He was extremely impressive um still has the bounce still has i mean he was i forget he must have put up 20 points last. i don't think he, he might, might have missed one shot um but it's just great to see him out there i mean he doesn't look like he's, he's lost a step at all i think he's gonna have a big season for utah this year another nugget from that game not nugget like nba pun attended denver nuggets but like right jj reddick jj reddick is on the pelicans now so it was kind of cool to see reddick and Jeff Green on the floor together it kind of reminded me back of, you know, back in that, that game in January of 2006 when Georgetown beat Duke and, you know, Reddick put up like 40, but that was uh, kind of Georgetown's coming out party. It was kind of a, you know, to think about how long ago that was, you have to see these two guys still playing each other was kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, last year, the Wizards, who I cover a decent amount, fell apart completely, but Jeff Green was one of their more steady. He was one of their better players. You know, they had, they had injuries. They had guys that, you know, just, ended, I mean, it, it was just a train wreck season and this year they're probably going to win about 20 games, but Jeff Green was still really good last year. And if you go back the year before LeBron James probably doesn't get to the NBA finals. If Jeff Green doesn't have that game seven against the Celtics. Right. I mean, Jeff Green is yeah. a legit- you know, I mean, like he's a really good player that gets a lot of flack. And I like to point out, you know, like when you cover a game and, you you know, you're in the locker room, these guys are, you know, you kind of wait for them to get dressed. So you can start talking to them. I mean, they open this guy up to deal with his heart. So for him to come right. back play at the level he's at is, I think, just ridiculous. I, you know, I, I completely agree. And I, I don't think people give him the respect that he deserves. And I, I think it's almost like his reputation is kind of the opposite. Like he's now just because he's been on so many teams, like this journeyman right. guy who, um, sure, he has the on switch, but a lot of times he's just so off in some games too. Um, but I don't know. I, he's, he's now been in the league for, I mean, how long has it been? He was a first-round pick in 2007. Right, after the after our Final Four run, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, over a decade now in the league, uh, and – still playing at a high level. I think that um, he's probably one of the more productive Georgetown players in the NBA in all time. Right. I mean, and well, top five, top five. Well, you got top five. Well, you got, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, you know, Ewing Morning 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 Matumbo, Iverson, obviously. And then who? Othella Harrington had a long career. Right. I mean, I guess it's something we can we can think about. Reggie Williams and Reggie Williams and Sleepy Floyd had their had their moments. They did. 
to where like yeah. you know Reggie out there in Denver, I think he kind of was on his way down when Dikembe was getting to be the guy. And then for a long time, I think Sleepy Floyd had some sort of NBA playoff record, maybe most points in a quarter or something. He had some pretty good years with right. um, Golden State. But yeah, no, I think Jeff Green, when you put in the longevity, uh, he's definitely he's definitely in that conversation for that, which is leads me to this. Uh, now that Greg Monroe decided to go play in Europe, which is an interesting decision, you're just down yeah. to green and auto porter i know sacramento just signed hollywood but that might be yeah. more that might be he might be spending some time in the g league so well, George, we got we got Derek, we got marcus derrickson on the hawks okay i think he's he's still hanging around um, That's right. i don't know if he's i don't know what his roster status is but i know he's playing with them in the preseason um yeah. so that counts so green auto derrickson and Thompson, I think, would be the only four. Yeah, Sims hasn't been in the league in like a couple years, but I think right. I think Thompson and Derrickson. Derrickson probably is a better chance, but there, you know, I think Derrickson. I think played maybe just ten or twelve games last year. He was more of like a two way guy. Um, mm-hmm. If the two way contract will apply to Hollis, I don't know if he's like if there's some sort of age restriction or I'm not really sure about that. But um, it'll be good to have more Hoy- more Hoyas in the NBA and. You kind of look to this roster, and you're just like, "Hey, we, you know, Georgetown kind of needs someone else to come through the pipeline." With you have to consider Roy Hibbert retiring a little bit before you thought, but that was kind of just sort of the league sort of playing a different way that he just wasn't really, you know, able to. Yeah, I mean, on this roster, who? I mean, if you project the NBA, I guess you're seven. You know, some scouts like like his game. LeBlanc, I think, could be an effective defender at least at the next level haven't seen enough on offense from him um akinjo is he too small i mean he's have he's has a hard time getting his shot off or you know at least at the rim at this level um and then mcclung mcclung who knows i mean he can get it seems like he can create space uh but then again he's only six feet tall so who knows uh we'll we'll see but i think those four guys Unless I'm missing someone. Well, you know, um, also, I think I think if, we, if we'd been talking about this last year, we would have been talking about Jamarco, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, well, I think last year, if we, I mean, after his freshman year, I mean, when you kind of look at him, he's got all the stuff, right? He just needs right. to put it together. I think, I, think, I think, you know, if you talk to NBA scouts, and this is where we could maybe get Ben on, I think Jamarco would probably be somebody that, people were thinking about and then last year didn't go the way that I'm sure he wanted to, but guess what? He's got two more years. So, True. you know, not like he's True. getting, you know, um, and then some of, you know, Alexander Gardner, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting pieces on Georgetown that have a chance at some point to get there, but it's hard to look at it right now and say anyone, but you're seven. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's, an, you know, one of the guys in the, that I saw on the floor last night with the Pelicans was Josh Hart. Um, you know, who we all know, you know, four-year player Villanova. Yep. He's, he, he's now oddly like one of the more veteran players on the team because the team is so young, but <laughs> he is, uh, he has really kind of come to New Orleans and is now one of like one of the more fan favorite players here. Um, he's really taken to the city. He's like very active on Twitter about loving New Orleans. Um, and I was noticing during the game, Drew Holiday took the night off, whatever. But so Josh Hart was kind of like the floor general out there. And and Alvin Gentry, the the coach, I mean, he 
he was in Hart's ear the whole time, and Hart has really become the guy that is kind of like running the offense, like the the coach on the floor, so to speak, for the Pelicans, which is kind of interesting. Um, I always go back to you know the fan base is in such an uproar about us not landing Josh Hart and our <laughs> decision to take Stephen Domingo over Josh Hart back in the day. I'm gonna um, have PTSD right now. Okay. I know, I know. I mean, but you wonder. it's it's an interesting exercise. You know, you wonder if Josh Hart did come to Georgetown, how the two programs would have fared uh, moving forward. But, you know, just kind of another thing, just when I see these guys at the next level, like I did last night, it just kind of of makes me think about those kind of things. It's hard to look, it's hard for me as, because at at that point I was actually doing a bunch of high school stuff. And I remember he was at Sidwell Friends and doing a tournament at Gonzaga where I walked away from that tournament one being like, wow, Josh Hart's really good. Two, Josh Hart's coming to Georgetown. Um, yeah. And to have it go the way that it went, not that just he didn't come to Georgetown, but he went to the big rival in the conference and the national championships. It's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Well, and speaking of coming to Georgetown, uh, not much, I guess, really positive news on the R.J. Davis front. Um, last time we spoke, there, was, there seemed to be a lot of momentum. Now, like I know we maybe we recently sent the staff or some members of the staff to go watch him play, but I thought we were going to have like an in-home visit. I'm not sure that ever happened. Now there seems to be a lot of noise about Marquette, Pitt, you know, just uh, I'm just not really sure what's going on with that. Maybe we'll have to see if there's some, if your buddy Corey Evans or someone else can come on and give us an update at some point. Yeah, um, about a month ago, it seemed like it was Pitt and Georgetown. And I think he even went to UNC, which, you know, right. I, don't, I mean, obviously you can never have enough good players, but, you know, I, it, I think it'd be tough after the Cole Anthony thing to have him go there and just the rich getting richer. Uh, um, that being said, let's just say he doesn't go to Georgetown. Would you, are you a, for the sake of the conference guy, would you rather he go to Marquette or Pitt or that at that point you just don't care? Uh, no, I'd want him out of the conference because I think if he chooses another program in the conference, that's more of a slap in the face than anything else. Because I still think we shouldn't lose recruiting battles to any other school in the conference. No doubt. Unless a kid, you know, it's from New York City and, you know, wants to go to St. John's and play in the garden and blah, blah, blah. We shouldn't lose any kid to anyone else in the conference, especially Marquette. You know, R.J. Davis is an East Coast kid. He yeah. has no business going to Milwaukee <laughs> for, for college. Um, you know, Villanova, they're not involved with Davis, but I could see a recruit choosing Villanova or Georgetown these days just because, you know, recency, et cetera. But not Marquette. Like, I have no idea why any kid would want to go play for Wojo in Marquette over Ewing in D.C. I mean, yeah, me. I, I, I mean – from not covering Marquette, obviously, I sort of figured the way that they lost the Housers, which just seems so weird to me. They were going to be a top five team in the country. And obviously something's going on there. I would have figured yeah. that that would start to fall apart. <laughs> um, so to hear I, my, my, I, I thought the deal with that was like those Hauser buddy boys didn't want to play with Marcus Howard because Howard is kind of a, uh, you know, the offense goes through him, the ball stops with him, that kind of thing. Yeah, but doesn't the coach um, and, sort of have to kind of figure that out? Like, just like, hey, look, yeah, yeah. oh, good, let let's figure this out. Uh, look, I hear you. I'm not here making excuses for 
mojo. <laughs> <laughs> and I never will be. Yeah. <laughs> no, so yeah, I mean, I just, I just sort of figured that that might be the end of what they have going on there. But apparently if they're going to swoop in late for RJ Davis, that would be a bit of a bummer. So yeah, I think if Georgetown does lose out on them, it'd be a little easier to swallow with Pitt because you had heard the whole time it was Ewing and Capel, Georgetown or Pitt. So if he goes to that school, you're like, well, it was always a coin flip. If someone comes in late and gets them, particularly Marquette, you're just like, ah, what's going on? Yeah, Pitt, I mean, Capel's got to land someone at some point. I mean, he, you know, he came from, from Duke, obviously a heralded recruiter. I get it if, if Davis goes there and becomes like his first big recruit and blah, blah, blah. Uh, UNC is UNC. I, I can understand that. Um, but to lose Davis to a school other than those two would kind of be a slap in the face, I think, given the amount of time that the staff has put into his recruitment. Speaking of the amount of time, we actually need to get out of here. Oh. <laughs> well, hear, we're going to start doing I, I, I this. I hear, the, I hear the, the wails of sorrow from our listeners on the other end. We're going to start doing this more often. And we're going to be back. Sounds good. Well, until next time, uh, for Bobby Bancroft, this is Andrew Geiger, and uh, we'll see you around. See you.